Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. Now I can preach it like this, okay? Repent! Or I can tell you, change your mind. Preaching repentance in the area of consciousness of sins is dishonoring the work of Jesus. Repentance means you realize you're guilty, that you deserve the wrath and punishment of God. You begin to realize that sin is in you, and you turn your back on it in every shape and form. You renounce the world, whatever the cost, and you deny yourself and take up the cross and go after Christ. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. What was once a musical, uh-oh, is it now a reality? I won't grow up, I won't grow up, I don't want to go to school. This is Wretched Radio. Just to learn to be a parrot, just to learn to be a parrot. And recite a silly rule, and recite a silly rule. If growing up means it would be beneath my dignity to climb a tree, I'll never grow up, never grow up, never grow up. Not me. That was Peter Pan. Well, it was actually Patty Pan. It was a woman playing a... Hey, do you think that's what got this whole confusion started back in the early 1950s? Mary Martin singing as Peter Pan, the boy who didn't want to grow up. While this is not considered a DSM-5 official diagnosis for whatever that is worth or isn't worth... There are sociologists observing that a new generation has what they are deeming Peter Pan syndrome. That people who should be adulting want to remain like Eddie Money. They want to go back. They want to just they just want to go relive it all over again, which is an interesting question. Jordan Peterson, I don't know if you recall, he asked that question last week. If you could go back and do it all over again, would you? And most likely you pondered this question and you'd say, well, can I take my current knowledge back with me and do it all over again? Because maybe then I would do it. But for my money, the more I think about it, I wouldn't. Because first of all, you couldn't actually be an eight-year-old with the innocence that accompanies that age. Because you know all the stuff you know. So you're never going to go through that carefree season because you just know too much. Furthermore. Been there, done that. Why would I want to go be a teenager again? I can think that everybody that I knew would prefer that I didn't do that again. Why why go back and redo that? The Lord has this figured out. If you happen to be one who still maintains a bit of a fear of death, give it some decades. The, the, the Lord will help you. He's got this sorted. It's, it's good that you grow old and gray and wise, and then ultimately desire, long to be with him for eternity and not go back. But according to sociologists, there are many that don't want to get old, period, because they like the lack of responsibility. They like not having to do adult things. And this is going to be an ongoing conversation here on Wretched Radio because we got to get this sorted. I'm telling you, now, maybe Lifeway will do this survey someday. I suspect they will because they survey pretty much everything else. Why is it that Christian kids don't seem to be faring much better than secular kids when it comes to issues like anxiety and depression, fear, loneliness? And it, there's just there's just one instrument. There's one electronic device that continues to bubble to the surface of every sociologist studies that has caused the change. 
And it appears to be social media. That kids, they are exposed to so much that I don't believe we were intended to be shown and known. Because that puts us on the... Now, I grant you it doesn't literally, but it gives us a a degree, as if there could be degrees, of omniscience. And only God is supposed to know everything that is going on. We can't take it all in. We can't know all of this stuff. If you knew all of the bad things that were happening everywhere around the world, you would be just overwhelmed because you and I can't take it. And the next generation, they are getting overwhelmed. Furthermore, there's a new app. It's called Glamour something. I can't. Mrs. Friel was reading it to me as we were sitting having our morning coffee. You take the thing. I don't want to get all technical with you, but you take the thing and you scan it on your face. And then it turns you into what you could look like if everything were perfect. Hey, there's a recipe for feeling miserable about your looks. But wait a second. This cruel game ain't over because once you then go about the business of trying to do the makeup, make your cheekbones look higher, whatever it is, then you you scan your face again. And what does it do? It enhances it further. Ah, ah, I can never... I can never attain ultimate beauty. And kids are consuming this stuff, downloading it by the millions. It's a brand new app. And your sons, your daughters might be taking a look at their face, recognizing that by comparison to something that is pure fantasy, they're a dog. And it weighs on them. And they are being crushed by so much information and so many unrealistic standards that it appears that it is affecting them in a way that is keeping them from being productive adults in society. And it's not a laughing matter because Christian kids are not immune to this. Christian kids, statistically, I have not seen a report that suggests they are faring any better. Let's go to Peter Pan syndrome when people just can't grow up from Healthline.com. All children except one grow up, said Peter Pan. Or actually, it was Wendy, I think. The boy who wouldn't grow up first appears in Dr. Dan Kiley's 1983 book, Peter Pan Syndrome. Men who have never grown up taking a cue from the boy who wouldn't grow up. It's not an official diagnosis. It's not DSM-5. But observationally, there seems to be something to this moniker. Their dishes might pile up in the sink. They might avoid doing laundry until they have nothing clean to wear. You might find yourself regularly helping out with chores just to get their home a little bit more habitable. I remember that phase. that's, That's not uncommon. But at some point, you grow past that phase. The observation is they're not. Peter Pan syndrome people prefer to live for today and show little interest in making long-term plans. They spend money unwisely and have other trouble with personal finances. They consistently avoid addressing relationship issues in productive ways. By the way, oh, oh, have you been listening to Greg Gifford's Transform podcast? It is so good. I was listening to, I think it was the February 25th episode. You got to go find it. Transformed with Greg Gifford. 
He was, t- oh, I won't do this justice. Jimmy, do you have the ability to access that stuff uh, from yeah, your system? I do. Would you grab March 25th, the second the second section, the second 11 minutes uh-huh. on that one? So good. How to communicate. And one of his encouragements, and this won't be a spoiler because it's he just will do it much better than I will. Sit down at a table, 30 minutes, and talk. Not about the fluffy stuff, about stuff. Applying the principles that he had talked about in the other lectures on communication. And he said, eventually, you will work through more and more of the struggles that you are having with another person when you sit at a table and deal with relationship issues, which apparently... A lot of young people, certainly not all, but a lot of young people in the upcoming generations aren't willing to do. It it becomes too emotionally wrought for them, more so perhaps than other generations. Peter Pan syndrome people have a pattern of job loss due to lack of effort, tardiness, skipping work. They make little real effort to find a job. They leave jobs frequently when they feel bored, challenged. Or stressed, stressed, by the way, might be one of the most often used words in the 21st century. Everything is a stressor. They only take part-time work and have no interest in pursuing promotion opportunities. They move from field to field without spending time developing skills in any particular area. And it can, fo- it can show up in the form of unrealistic goals, such as dreams of becoming a pro athlete or landing a record deal. Where does that come from? Well, I think it's always been in the human heart, but social media sure does seem to tap into that, that you should be famous, you should be rich, you should be a model, you should be in Hollywood, you should be the president. And they are fed these messages constantly. It affects their attitude and mood when they have Peter Pan syndrome, emotional outbursts when facing stressful situations, make excuses, blame others when things go wrong. They expect to be taken care of fear of negative evaluation. And by the way, it is not exclusive to males. Men seem to be leading the way. But girls are right there, too. Those with Peter Pan syndrome often have overly protective or very permissive parents. Oh, that's interesting. Overly permissive parents, they often don't let many set many boundaries. So they believe it's okay to do whatever you want. On the other hand, everything is scary. Everything is terrifying. These are people who have had overprotective parenting. Bottom line. Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, I think to fail to recognize that this is going on with Christian kids, it is to their detriment, to our detriment, to society's detriment, and to the kingdom's loss. We need to be mindful that because of, in my opinion, social media, we're up against it, which means we need to get in the battle for our kids. We will endeavor to continue to do just that. This is Wretched Radio. Be careful. Be very, very careful, my cold-hearted conservative friend, because this just might melt your heart if you are a supporter of preborn.org slash wretched, providing ultrasounds, ultrasound machines, and sonograms. Careful, this might just... 
Melt Your Heart. That sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love. You're giving love when you support preborn because a mommy sees a baby in the womb, courtesy of an ultrasound machine, and 80% of the time keeps the baby. $28 an ultrasound, or perhaps you might be of the means to provide an actual ultrasound machine if you can. Oh, they need them, and they'll put them to work, and it'll show some love. Preborn.org slash wretched. It's hard to admit, but if you're like me, sometimes you get a little bored with Christian TV. Do you wish there was something else, you know, something that could offer you real solutions for the struggles that you're having or maybe that your loved ones are facing? Well, look no further because I'm going to point you in the direction of our series, Transformed. Season 2 is available right now at Transformed.org or at the Wretched store at Wretched.org. And Transformed is not your typical Christian program. It offers a unique perspective on biblical counseling showcasing real people who have real issues that are seeking real solutions. It's hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at The Masters University, and Dale Johnson, the Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. And together, they demonstrate the sufficiency of God's Word as they offer biblical solutions to those in need. So pick up Season 2 of Transformed again right now at transformed.org or at the Wretched Store at wretched.org. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines, not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send, how many seminaries you might support overseas? To learn more, visit wretched.org slash pastor, or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org slash Bible. Important dates in Christian history. 1559. John Knox returns to Scotland to lead Reformation there after a period of exile in Calvin's Geneva. Knox founded the Presbyterian Church, which became a driving force in English politics and the American Revolution. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Has this question ever been more pertinent for Christian parents? This is Wretched Radio. This song was sung over a hundred years ago, courtesy of World War I. When boys were taken off of the farm, they were transported around the globe, and they saw sights that they would have never seen if they had stayed down on the farm. And the question the culture was asking is, how do we keep these kids from harm? How do we keep them from coming back, having seen those foreign sights and wanting to stay home and help and do chores? 
and milk cows and stay married and have children. They recognize the challenge in World War One. I would suggest to you. The challenge has never been greater because your kids have seen Paris, they have seen Tokyo, they have seen Moscow, they have seen every crevice of the known world. Furthermore, they have seen images of violence. They have seen images of standards of beauty that they recognize they cannot attain. And they are feeling that pressure. Jimmy, you've got that app where it traces your face and makes you look beautiful. Yeah, but it didn't change mine. It did. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and some boys and girls, they put this app on their face and it makes them look perfect. What? But they don't look perfect. And what's happening to them? They feel rotten because of the way God made them so deficiently. Add to that pornography. The kids are seeing it, whether we want to admit it or not. Even kids in church, even at church. Yeah. Kids are showing each other what they've got on their cell phones. Our kids have seen Paris and a whole lot more. The question is, what are we going to do about it? A sociologist said there's two reasons that kids these days have what they are deeming to be Peter Pan syndrome. They're, they're afraid of a big bad world because they've seen the big bad world. There's permissive parenting and then there's protective parenting. So as a parent, you need to ask yourself the question, well, which one is best? Well, which one should I be? Because here's what we've all recognized. If you block your kid from social media forever, well, at least forever while they're still in your house, as soon as they leave, they fly away to university, go out on their own, they get their own cell phone, their smartphone, well, then they're off to Paris. And all of your labors might have been for naught. I'll just tell you where I happen to be at the moment on this subject, because I recognize uh, our kids, we just missed this, man. This bullet, whew, it was starting to fly when our kids were teenagers, and it was a battle to keep them away from smartphones and not give one to them. Now, we were able to get away with the flip phone thing so that they could call and text but then at some point they become adults and then they can buy their own stuff. They work, they can buy, even if they don't tell you, they can get their own stuff and they do. And they can get around your filters and they can get around all of these safety features that you've plugged in because they're just so intuitive when it comes to this stuff. What, what do you do today? I'm not naive to the challenge of this, but it seems that when it comes to social media, we need to be tipping much more toward protective parenting. I I know you say the kids are going to be furious. I get that. But I don't think that Christians are called to be permissive parents. I think that we are called to protect our children and to keep them from the knowledge that should not be known by children. That is, my opinion, a very good definition of what it means to be an adult. You know adult things. Now, if we give children adult information, let them view adult images, then we are not protecting them. We, we, are, we are downloading something into their little brains that they cannot handle. And they weren't meant to handle those things. That's why we have something that every society has recognized called childhood. Now, I grant you we're extending it way too long these days. I think it's safe to say that you should be considered a man or woman by the time you're 35. I think that's safe. 
These days, we've just made it outrageous. Nevertheless, a child shouldn't see Paris, but they do. And if we don't start protecting them, I get it. They could turn out to be bitter. I get it. They could turn out to be really angry at you. They could fly away and never want to come back. So why is my scale tipping in that direction? Because I have to give an account to the Lord. And so do you. And if you were asked when you stand before your God, did you protect your children from that stuff? Do we really think that our current excuses will hold up? Well, the neighbor kids had them and we just thought they're probably going to see it anyway. So we just gave it to them. Well, you know, they have to do it for schoolwork. Whatever the excuse is, I wonder if it's going to hold up under some divine scrutiny. What does that look like? I don't know. I really, I don't know. You got to sort it, mom and dad. Every, every family dynamic is different. I, I, I feel like I'm pushing it by suggesting to you, you might want to become a little bit more restrictive on cell phone use with your children. That feels like it's kind of getting into your realm of jurisdictional authority, Todd, because it is. But perhaps just an encouragement. Don't lose them to Paris. Don't lose them to the Internet. Haven't we already seen the results of this already? Haven't, haven't we seen this? That the kids, they get exposed to all of this stuff and they play Christian kid. But as soon as they're gone, they are gone. Now, I grant you on the other end of the spectrum, you've got parents who tried to protect their kids from social media and they did the exact same thing. It seems to me one of the things that we should be doing as parents in this generation, more perhaps than any other time, you better be leaning into sovereignty and begging God to save your kids, protect your kids to take care of your kids, to watch them, to curb their behavior when you can't see them. Because if, if, if we don't have his divine intervention, ah, ha, ha, ha. how are you going to keep them down in the farm? How are you going to keep them from never, never not talking to you, from just a, not wanting anything to do with you? Gen Z, driving force among adults identifying as LGBTQ. Cool. The number of U.S. adults who identify as such has more than doubled in a decade. In 2012, hmm, that is about the turning point when everybody started to have cell phones, 3.5% of U.S. adults said they were LGBTQ. Today, it's 7.1%. That's, that's nine years of internet. For Gen Z, these are 1997 to 2004 which seems like a very small window. Can a generation only be seven years? 19.7% identified as LGBTQ. They are the cell phone generation. They, from the jump, they have known the cell phone. From childhood, they've known the internet. Millennials, the number drops to 11.2. Gen X, it jumps down to 3.3. Baby boomers, 2.7. Why? What else, has, what else is it out there? Yeah, I know it's Hollywood. Yeah, I know it's the education system. But all of that is crashing into our kids' palms daily. You've heard these statistics before. 57% of girls feel persistently sad and hopeless. 29% of male students, ditto, have a suicide plan. 18%. 10% have attempted suicide one or more times. 10%. Look at your youth group, youth pastor. 
One out of 10 of them have actually tried to take their own lives. Do not deceive yourselves. They don't need any more pizza. Put your time and energies into studying the Bible and downloading it into their little hearts. Do that. They need that. They're hurting real bad. One in five teen girls experienced sexual violence. This is according to the CDC. Social media. Here it is. The doctor who authored the report for the CDC stated that social media was a factor for girls feeling sad and hopeless. I would suggest to you it might be the factor. Youth who feel connected at school are less likely to experience risks related to substance abuse, etc. I would substitute church there. 21% of our kids are sexually active. I suspect that number is higher. 16% of high school students use pot during the last 30 days. By the way, more girls than boys, by the way. What does the world have for them? I'm glad you asked. According to Teen Vogue. Yeah, Teen Vogue, which has a sex column, which is so good for the teens. Five best mental health apps to help you be your best self. This is from Teen Vogue. Daily Bean, it tracks your moods, sleep, and symptoms. Finch, it reports your habits. In other words, it tries to get you to limit your amount of social media time because they know that it affects them. And then the other two big apps are Headspace and Calm, providing guided meditation and sleep stories. Ooh, helpful? Not at all. Mom and Dan, you're up against it. You need the help of your local church. Youth pastor, help these parents. And every parent should help every other parent in speaking into our children's lives biblically. Because for every time we quote a Bible verse to them, they hear a hundred messages from the world system. This is Wretched Radio. It's time for Wretched News on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, we start in Iowa, where the legislature is taking a significant step toward defunding diversity, equity, and inclusion programs at state universities. Finally, the lawmakers, it seems, are realizing that teaching kids to hate America and dividing based on skin color, probably not the best way to create unity in the country going forward. And moving across the pond, it looks like there's some UK parents that are outraged after a sex ed lesson with a drag queen left their children traumatized. You know, that's why the state's probably not good at parenting anyone's child. And speaking of the state parenting children in Colorado, there's a school district encouraging its staff to use students' preferred transgender names when their parents are not around. Let's just forget parents altogether, completely undermine parental authority and confuse the kid. That's a brilliant move for communists. And a little positive news now, 41 more Texas churches have voted to leave the United Methodist Church. And as we've been talking about for quite a while, the UMC has strayed from, well, strayed, that's probably not the best term to use. They haven't just strayed, they've actually turned their back on biblical truth. And more and more congregations are fleeing the UMZ. And this next story, I'm laughing, but it really is mind-boggling. A non-binary sex therapist. A really weird statement to make, but anyway, a non-binary sex therapist 
fact is we can prevent what happened in the Bill Cosby cases. You remember that? We can prevent all of that just simply by getting women to consent to being drugged before sex. <laughs> That's the solution. We're not going to teach men that it's bad to rape. We're just going to drug women and make them think it's okay. What could go wrong with that? And in Arizona, a school board has voted to stop hiring from a Christian university just because of their stance on marriage, a biblical stance. It's sad. Of course, it's sad, but it also is right on brand for culture. I don't know if you saw this, but it looks like President Biden is claiming that he had a brain thing and had to have the top of his head removed a few times to see if he had a brain. And I had uh, these terrible headaches. They had to take the top of my head off a couple times. <laughs> see if I had a brain. I mean, we all knew there was something missing up there. I just didn't think it was that bad. And in Texas, a lawmaker has filed a Texit bill that would prompt a citizen vote on exploring secession from the U.S. Yeah, I mean, hey, if California can threaten to secede every time they don't get their way, why can't Texas? At least Texas is self-sufficient. That's your wretched news. More wretched radio straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. Mark was a follower of Christ, traveling companion of Paul, an associate of Peter. His gospel presents Jesus as the Son of God. Here, Jesus is the perfect example of self-sacrifice, the suffering servant who died as a ransom for our sins. When you suffer for obedience to Christ, do not be ashamed, for Christ suffered and died for our disobedience. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Act, don't react. This is Wretched Radio. Those are the dulcet tones of Dr. Greg Gifford. Tell me you wouldn't love to receive counsel from him. <laughs> Man, he's just warm and caring. And also, what's the word I'm looking for? Biblical, which is exactly what biblical counseling is. And you will hear that if you subscribe to the Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford podcast at a platform that you prefer to get your download stuff. For four weeks, he's been on the subject of communication, and he is in the final lecture on communication that is oh so practical and oh so biblical. Don't be passive when it comes to communication. We sure can be, can't we? But this is tip number four for better communication. You will use this in your lifetime. You will, you will need this wisdom. If you live with a human being, you're really going to need it. Don't be a passive communicator. I want to finish with verse 31 and 32 of Ephesians 4. And you're going to think, Dr. Gifford, what in the world are you talking about? Well, let me show you first, and then I'll do my best to explain. Verse 31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Let me talk about passivity in communication, which is connected to passivity in your Christian walk altogether. In this context, verse 22 is talking about your old self and what your old self is identified as. In verses 25 through 32, we do see different aspects of who you were. That's the person who spoke falsehood. It's the thief. It's the person who is sinfully angry. It's the person who uses corrupting talk. And in verse 31, 
These are what characterized us before we were in Christ. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander. Yet 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, such were some of you. Those things don't define us now as Christians. Reactionary speech is like reactionary Christian living. When I'm just being a passive Christian, I look like the one speaking falsehood, the one who's sinfully angry, the thief, the one using corrupting communication. In reactionary speech, it is speech that's characterized by those things. To include verse 31, bitter, wrathful, angry words, slanderous words. If I'm not careful and I'm not intentional, what takes place is that my communication may be conceptually right. I know the principles, but I'm passively engaging and putting on the new man and communicating in a way that corresponds to my new identity in Christ. I am to speak the truth, and I am to speak the truth in such a way that honors the Lord, and I have to fight to be proactive in that. When I'm being intentional or when I'm being active and proactive in communication, I'm not giving in to my natural tendencies. Think about that for a second. We all have natural tendencies in communication. For some of us, our natural tendency is to shut down. Three days later, we will say hello to you, but that is about all. (laughs) Goodbye, friend. No. For some of us, that's our natural tendency. For others of us, our natural tendency is to bulldoze people. And what takes place is we become like a pit bull for Jesus because we really want to settle this. We want to talk about it. And we're right, right. Like we're kind of aggressive with our words. That's how I envision pit bulls. Sorry for those of you that are pit bull lovers. I'm aggressive with my words and that's my natural tendency. What the scripture teaches is that you have to be willing to put off your old person with its natural tendencies, their natural tendencies. And you have to put on the new person, which according to verse 24 is the result of God's work because you are being renewed in the likeness of God. So my speech and its natural inclination is not going to be the most God-honoring speech. And this has nothing to do with education. This has nothing to do with what type of church you go to. The reality is that if you just give in to your natural person and the way your natural person wants to speak, you're going to blow some things up in life. So to be proactive means that I'm putting off my natural tendencies in Adam, my natural tendencies apart from Christ, and I'm having to say, what does God want me to speak like? I'm doing that intentionally. Verse 32 provides a framework for the way that I should be communicating. Kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. These are aspects of the way that we treat other people. Uh, Just to be clear, you can't be kind to another person unless you're with another person. Um, I'm sure you've thought about that, but I I can't be tenderhearted to myself. I can't be forgiving to myself. These are all relational aspects of the way that I treat other people. So I am to be kind. I am to be tenderhearted. I am to be forgiving. And one of the most predominant, if not the dominant way that I express that is in my words. My actions are obviously correspondent as well. But my action and attitude must be that of kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness. My words should proactively look like this. And if I'm being passive in my communication, what will take place is my communication will break down 
and slowly I will, I will default back to who I am with my natural tendencies. I'm the one that shuts down for three days and doesn't talk to you. And I just say, I'm trying to keep the peace, but in all honesty, I'm worshiping comfort or I'm the person that's the pit bull for Jesus and wants to settle it now and kind of bulldozes you until we talk about it. Both of those are wrong. I have to proactively put on what God is calling me to do. Got to tell you, that's some fine stuff right there, isn't it? Oh, Dr. Greg Gifford, the Transform Podcast. Let's keep eavesdropping because this is this is so helpful. I do not personally possess any of those problems that Dr. Gifford was describing. <laughs> so I'll just I'll just pretend to be kind of interested in this. So let me end. I think many of us benefit from practical applications and what that looks like. Let me end some of these segments with practical ideas for communication. In biblical counseling, we will use homework assignments to facilitate. And homework assignments are often going to be just practical takeaways where we take the scripture and we say, hey, consider applying this in this particular way. You're not going to meet a biblical counselor who is unaware of a conference table assignment. Let me explain what this is. It's a homework assignment designed to help develop effective biblical communication patterns. I think Jay Adams is actually the one to start it. The understanding of a conference table maybe sounds a bit formal. Maybe we should call it the kitchen table or the dining room table. But what you do is you strategize or really you schedule a time, kind of like a forum, for discussing and resolving conflicts. What can take place in relationships is over time, you just begin to discuss logistics, but you don't talk about things of depth and things of value, meaning, significance. And I find oftentimes in marriages that a way of keeping the peace means that individuals really just stop talking about difficult issues and just start talking about all surface level logistical issues. Who's picking up kids? Who's dropping off who today? What time do we need to be at your parents' house? Those types of questions. Yet those questions really don't deal with deeper substrata type of conversations that we need to discuss. So a conference table is designed to create that space. Oftentimes, a lack of a time and a designated time to communicate can be frustrating for individuals. For instance, one spouse will say, yeah, 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 we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Four days later, we haven't talked about it. When are we going to talk about it? I don't know. Like we, we haven't set a time to actually talk about that. Another spouse will say, let's talk about it. It's 1130 at night. We're all extremely tired. We need to talk about this thing. And you're like, please, no, please, I'm tired. With a conference table, it allows for us to have a designated time to talk about things of meaning, value, sometimes a potential conflict or areas of friction, but things of depth. I try to describe it as things of depth. So what you'll do is you'll designate once or twice a week, a 30 minute window in which you'll meet with that friend, that roommate, that spouse, the individual that you're trying to cultivate some type of in-depth communication with. And at that time, you will come with your own prepared agenda for things that need to be covered, things that you would like to talk about. So for 30 minutes, you're going to work through, you're going to give one individual the mic, they're going to be able to talk, then the next is going to have the floor to speak into that, to discuss And then they're going to have their own agenda items that need to be discussed. But whatever you do, you're going to ensure that you're following these principles of communication in a conference table. 
What are those principles? <laughs> You'll have to listen to the Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford podcast to hear all of the principles that he sets forth with some practical wisdom, sitting down, using the rules, and lovingly saying to the other person, you know, could you maybe just um, communicate that with one of these principles that that we've learned? I'll try to do the same. Please feel free to interrupt me anytime because I want to be godly in my communication with you because I do want us to have a godly relationship. If this sounds like something that might just help you, encourage you to check out Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, our new podcast. It is the bomb diggity. This is Wretched Radio. Yes, you want to save money because after all, you're a Christian and that's what we want to do. Save money, but never at the expense of our family's health and peace of mind should a family member fall ill. That is why I'd like to commend you MediShare, the gold standard of healthcare sharing. You will save on average $500 per month as a family. How much will you save? It takes two minutes. 844-34-BIBLE. And if you think this isn't very good, you get free telehealth services with MediShare, a huge network of doctors with MediShare, and great customer support. And fellow Christians will pray for you. MediShare, 400,000 members strong. Peace of mind and savings. Simply call 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thanks for joining us here on Wretched Radio today. So grateful when you tune in and listen and when you browse the Wretched store for some of our resources like Jesus Unmasked, which Rebecca wrote in to say was one of two books that helped transform her faith in Jesus. And that's only possible by the help and support of our gospel partners. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Our gospel partners give us the ability to stand firm, not waver under the pressure of the world. We're not relying on support from compromised Christians who also want us to compromise. No, our gospel partners say, stand firm in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we do. So let me personally ask you to pray about and consider what it might look like in your life if you were to join us and become an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner. And I know there are questions that I might not have answered that you still have. You can find those answers at wretched.org slash donate. That's wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Cool. Very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home. Parents get saved and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe, and now in Africa. Would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Titles of Christ. 
In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the Bridegroom. Christians are waiting for Christ's return, which the book of Revelation describes as the wedding of the Lamb. Christ will come to usher His bride, His church, into eternity with Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio. Interesting this summer, uh, the SBC convention. It should be a clam bake. Make your popcorn and start watching now because the issue of role of women in the church, it will be on the docket. Why? Because one of the six churches that the Southern Baptist Convention decided you're no longer in fellowship with us because you no longer adhere to the Baptist faith and message statement. You are being disfellowshipped. Please note, best I understand, SBC politics. The SBC can't tell a church what to do, doesn't have that power. But if a church is not behaving in alignment with the agreed-upon faith statement that they must agree to, well, then they can say, sorry, you're no longer a part of the party. And they did that with six churches that had female pastors. The big church, of course, Saddleback. They're starting to respond. Their current pastor, Stacy Wood, because she is the current pastor, and there are three other women who have been ordained pastors there, says she's going to continue to serve as ministry leader. So they're not backing down. Saddleback has yet to say if it will appeal its expulsion. But, by the way, one church in Kentucky, they said, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to, which means this, this will be dealt with at the convention which is good. Let there be cleansing. Let there be purifying. The bride is not to be besmirched. The bride is not to be sullied with bad theology and bad practices, no matter how much contemporary pressure we feel from it. This, by the way, was Pastor Stacy from Saddleback. I'm serving Jesus. Now, here's We need to understand the arguments that are being forwarded by those who would change 2,000 years of church tradition. I'm serving Jesus under the authority and in alignment with my spiritual leaders. So the way that many churches now are trying to get away with having women in the role of elders is by saying, but she's under the authority of another elder. Therefore, she's still under authority. Well, that, that might be true on one end, but on the other end, She's exerting authority over women and men. So this doesn't get them off of the hook, but that is the argument that is being forwarded. She continued, we believe that women can be gifted and empowered as teachers and as pastors. Actually, I do believe that they can be gifted in many ways for those things, but that doesn't mean that the Lord permits the exercising of gifts in a particular role of elder. I would also say deacon, But God has decided, even if you have certain gifts, I want you to exercise them in this way. And that is not cruel. That is not limiting 
That is for the functioning of the body, for the good of the bride. Stacy's husband told the congregation during the weekend services about his plan to release a video explaining the church's position on female pastors. He told the Associated Press last year that the Bible teaches that men and women were given spiritual gifts by God. Well, they no doubt have many gifts, but that doesn't... If, if there were a gift, now I'm just, I'm, I'm making something up here. So um, uh, the church library, men cannot run the church library. But I, I love the Dewey Decimal System. I really know how to organize books and check them out efficiently. And to promote books that are good for the people who come into the library. Now I might have those gifts, but if the Bible says, no, not in that context, then I have to figure out another way to utilize those gifts and not violate a clear teaching of Scripture. He said, quote, my wife has the spiritual gift of teaching and she is really good. People often tell me she's better than me when it comes to preaching. Just not prepared to argue with the fellow. Fern Creek Baptist in Louisville plans to appeal. So they're, they're going to take it to the executive committee to see, hey, we, we want back in. And this, by the way, is her argument. This, oh, I'm sorry, this is Pastor Minnie from St. Timothy's Christian Baptist in Baltimore said her church has had no interaction with the SBC and said it was an honor to be named alongside the, others, the other ousted churches. Quote, is it possible the executive committee of SBC believes it can tell God who to call to lead his people? Um, no, God has told us who he actually calls. It can be stated this clearly. Let me start by saying if there were a Bible verse that said men cannot run the church library, I cannot use the statement, God has called me to run the church library. I couldn't say it because he wouldn't, because he said he doesn't because he's defined the role. And the same thing would be true with women as elders. And I sure wish that the church would quit bowing to the world because I think it insults women. I know that you're maybe going to go, oh, that's just a male trying to peddle this sexist sort of manipulation. Well, I don't think so. Women are gifted particularly for certain things. And to that we say, you go, girl. Use those. We need those because we're deficient in those areas. And God wants you doing those things. And it isn't second-class Christianity. It is for the ordering of the body. And we see that in marriage. We see that in every institution. There has to be some sort of playbook. Otherwise, everybody's a quarterback, and that don't work so good. Let's go to... I, I, don't, I don't know where this is located exactly, but we're going to go to the graveside of... Lonnie Frisbee, he is the fellow who is featured in part in the Jesus Revolution movie. This is the story, of not the least of which would be Chuck Smith. It would also be Lonnie Frisbee <laughs> and Greg Laurie was a part of it also. Apparently he was mentored by Chuck Smith. Kelsey Grammer is playing the lead role. And it's doing very well at the box office. And the fellow who played Lonnie Frisbee, who ultimately was rather quietly dismissed because he somehow it was revealed that he was a homosexual. The fellow, wow, how small of a production world is Hollywood? The fellow who plays Jesus in The Chosen plays Lonnie Frisbee 
in Jesus Revolution. And he was recently interviewed, and he talks about visiting the gravesite of Lonnie Frisbee. In fact, I sat down and I prayed with him. Um, the, the, the space just to his right. So he's sitting right of the gravesite of Lonnie Frisbee. And did I hear him right? He prayed to him? Let me see if I got that straight. In fact, I sat down and I prayed with him. Um, with him? The, the space just to his right. He prayed, he prayed with the dead man. Is empty. So I got to sit down. Or lie. At one point, I even lied down because I just thought it would be kind of interesting to try to connect in some way. Mm. I don't know exactly how you connect in some way. Now, there are some practices in NAR circles. It's deemed grave soaking. Was he doing that? I, I, I don't know. I don't think that he has to be doing that for this to be deemed a little bit strange. Probably more information than you need or may even want to publish. But that said, uh, I, you know, I, it's the, the truth. And so I finished praying with him. And I said, Lonnie, I want to honor you with this film. He was talking to the dead man. And I really want to, um, to, to, to bring justice and, and, you know, the testament to the gifts of God's grace and, and powers that you, you know, displayed while you were on this earth. And so if this is a good idea that I do this film, have somebody give me a sign. Give me a sign. Have God give me a sign. Mm -hmm. And the... Mm -hmm. Said the interview. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Why? Well, he's a Roman Catholic, so it wouldn't be uncommon for him to pray to somebody besides God the Father through Jesus the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the words left my mouth. Behind me, there was a door open to the cathedral. And this giant chord rang out for about five seconds. and then From the organ? From the organ. Wow. Whoa. I heard that and I was Jimmy. like, whoa. Okay. Whoa. It's a sign. Thanks for that. <laughs> whoa. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So there it is. Hey, hey, don't you worry. If you enjoy The Chosen, you're in good hands. By the fellow who plays the role of Jesus. One last church note. This is an interesting article from Kirsten Powers. I think she, has she become Roman Catholic? I I don't. She yeah. I think I think so. Nevertheless, she's critical of the "He Gets Us" campaign because she was actually lured into evangelicalism through a bait and switch campaign. And she now is a Roman Catholic, sort of like the fellow you just heard who plays Jesus in the Chosen. And in the Jesus Revolution movie, she said, uh, it really did damage for a long time. Hoping you can check out our video on that campaign on the YouTube machine. And until tomorrow, go serve your kingdom.